Welcome everyone to Deep Shift. I'm Michael Armstrong. And on this episode, we have Sabrina Monarch, an evolutionary astrologist. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's great having you here. So this is cool because I just did your podcast and now you're on mine. Yeah, it was a great episode. It's going to drop soon. Sweet. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I'm I'm excited for this one because that one you let me talk a lot. And this one, I want to hear about your story. So what's kind of cool about our podcast is that each of us have our, our second episode is awakening stories, like spiritual awakenings. And yours is a trip. Yours is indeed. Uh, yes. It's it it's uh I mean it goes so many places from like mysterious characters to your almost like seemingly mental breakdown and and your inquisitive nature to get out of it. And I have so many questions about it, but perhaps you can share the the story, your awakening story with the audience. Okay. Like how, how in detail? You can go as in depth as you'd like. Okay. So I'll set it up. And um, there were some interesting like animal totem experiences that I was thinking for this one that it would be cool to share. Um, what does that mean? Uh, experiences with insects and animals that were very, I think mostly actually spiders. And during during your awakening experience? Yeah. Uh, were you communicating with them? Yeah, they were communicating with me. Like it was, I've never been conversed with with a spider so intensely. Wow. Yeah, I feel like I've talked to trees before, but <laughs> what were they telling you? Well, this one spider um, descended from a string. I was reading some poetry that I'd written to this person that I was seeing, um, you could say, during this um, spiritual awakening. And he goes, hey, look, that spiritual or that spider likes your poetry. And I look over and this spider had descended from a string and was hanging out with me at eye level. <laughs> and it was this beautiful yellow and black striped Ooh. spider. Ooh. And I got scared. And the spider started to kind of like move around too. And so this man that I was with took the spider from a string and put it on some roses that were in my bathroom. And um, I actually went to go talk to the spider later mm. and I just approached the roses. And when I addressed the spider, it came out and made itself visible. <laughs> That's cute. Um, it came back into my room another time, descended from its web, like at, you know, eye level again. And then went... Um, descended to the ground and proceeded to run around my room and pause on objects of sentimental value to me and mm. then run around again and pause on another object. And it basically showed me a web of my room of all of the things that had emotional energy that it could sense. Like it was almost like so obvious, you know, the timing of how it was running and how it was landing that it was specifically showing me that you know, like how else is a spider going to communicate with you? Yeah, I feel like everything in the universe communicates with us if we can hear it. Right? Mm. Like every room we walk yeah. in and every animal, every experience that's in front of us is, is yes. in a, way our, a part of ourselves uh, trying to communicate with our little humans. Yeah, you did mention on the podcast that I interviewed you about how our environment is always like symbolically speaking to us. And I've been thinking about that since. Sweet. Yeah. So the spiders, the spiders uh, guiding you almost. What a, what a sweet spirit. Little spider. Yeah. I love yeah, that. it was a beautiful spider. I was definitely scared of it at first, but. Yeah. Spiders are scary. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I used to just like squish them, you know, because that's just what you did. Um, but I started to like not kill anything that's in my house except mosquitoes. I still squish those, but yeah, it's like, uh, I, I think it's really good luck to see a spider. And if you, if it's in a place that you don't like it to be just to like wrap it in a little paper towel and you can make a room for it. So it's not squished. You just fold it as it walks on and then bring it outside and just let them go. And I yeah. think that's really good luck. Yeah, it is. It's sweet. 
So to back up to the the story, um, I was 21 years old and I was in undergrad and I, you know, I'm an astrologer now professionally and at the time, you know, I've been into astrology since I was a teenager, but my understanding of astrology definitely greatly advanced and evolved after this experience. So I had this kind of rudimentary understanding that I was having a Jupiter square Mars transit, meaning that Jupiter was at a 90 degree angle in the sky to the natal position of my Mars. And the research that I had done on this informed me that I was about to experience a massive opportunity and that I might overestimate my capacities and make a disastrous error in judgment. And even as I read this, I was like, like disastrous error in judgment, like I'm good, you know, so I was already experiencing the the thing that it was warning me about. Like I felt invincible as I was reading this. So interesting, you know, like in retrospect, I was like, this is just fear-based, you know, like I'm good. Um, and this attitude actually permeated the whole spiritual awakening of just making extreme decisions that were probably not smart and definitely were you know, my undoing afterwards, but just being like, it's all good. And, you know, in further retrospect, it's great that I did that because I wouldn't have had this amazing adventure had I not been so careless or fearless, however you want to put it. And so I'm expecting Jupiter every day. And the interpretation also informed me to go out and do things and increase the avenues through which Jupiter could find me. Jupiter transits are mana and nectar of the gods even difficult ones. So go enjoy, like go have adventure. So one morning I had this dream. Um, I awoke from a dream of Jupiter. Uh, The dream itself wasn't exactly about Jupiter. It's just that when I woke up, Jupiter was like on my tongue. And in the dream, I was kind of in this nebulous space and I could hear these elders talking about me and I didn't understand what they were saying, but I got this sense that I was about to be bestowed an advancement in life. Like they were whispering about these plans for me and, you know, I'm still not able to understand quite. And then I wake up in one of the most glorious ways to ever wake up where I just felt this like light, like, oh, suddenly my eyes are open. My room is gold. Everything looks spectacular. And I've just dreamt of Jupiter because it was the fresh, you know, thing in my mind. It was my um, best friend's birthday that day. And I was really excited about it for whatever reason. I wanted to see her as soon as possible. There was going to be a party that night. And our communication kind of waned throughout the day. Like I didn't hear from her when I was anticipating to. And suddenly I was beset with this kind of weird anxiety that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I had this feeling um, suddenly like the, the mirror in my bathroom looked sharp to me in my periphery. And I thought about my antidepressants. And so for context, I had been on and off antidepressants since I was like 15. And during that time in my life, the antidepressants were starting to feel increasingly bizarre to me. Like, what are these? I don't even know it what these are made of or what the long-term consequences of these medications are. And I was thinking about going off of them. And so I looked to, you know, feeling this sudden anxiety, looked to the bottle of pills, like kind of x-raying them through the mirror. Um, I went to go open the cabinet to look at them and try to jar my memory. Like, did I take one today? Do I want to risk taking two? No. So I didn't take it. And then I had this overwhelming intuition that I had to look up moon opposition Pluto. So I Google searched moon opposite Pluto, which is a natal aspect that I have. And for whatever reason, I had to look it up. And I looked it up and I found an article I hadn't found before. And this one said, this person is intense, psychic, et cetera, the things I normally see when I look up this aspect. Um, But you know, this person can skillfully extract information from others like a spy. Such a person should take care to also engage earnestly with others. And as I'm reading this text, my computer got bizarrely bright to look at, and I basically like slammed it shut and felt like I was going to explode if I didn't go outside. So I went to the woods. um, I smoked a little bit of marijuana. I got out onto the trail and felt suddenly expansive. 
um, I was starting to have these epiphanies as I was walking through the trail that I was moving at a different speed than other people in my life. I was getting impatient with the people around me. I wanted everything to go faster. And I was even having these interesting experiences of like people reaching out to me over text the very moment that I had become unavailable. Like I would be waiting around, like hoping that someone would like chat me up or get back to me. And then the second that I was like off doing my own thing, my phone would blow up again. So I was like, there's something off about my rhythms with other people. And I feel like I'm on my own, my own trip. This is all very intuitive. <laughs> I, I see you continue to, to see your intuition and to follow it. And it's, it's taking us down this path. And I just want mm-hmm. to recognize how cool it is that you follow your intuition so intently. Thank you. Yeah. And as I'm walking down this trail, I had a sudden um, urge to make a wish for magic. I don't even know, <laughs> like it wasn't even a, a, a conscious thing. I wished for magic out loud to the trees. How did you wish it? I just said it out loud. I wish, I wish for magic. Yeah. yeah ask and you shall receive right yeah and so later that night it's my friend's birthday a series of events that were not completely in my control led me to be late to the party and I was with one other person and there were no seats left at the table and there was a table next to them with just one man and they had asked the man sitting there if it would be okay if we shared the table so I sat down next to him and I wouldn't have really like engaged him had it not been for the person sitting to me at the birthday table, like on my right, whispering in my ear, that man over there is strange. I've seen him here before and he speaks in different accents. Hmm. So I was curious. I was like, what does that mean to her? You know, and she's like, I don't know. It's just weird. So I turned over to him and started asking him questions. I told him I liked his yellow glasses, asked him if it was color therapy. And as we're chatting, I noticed that he had this stack of books um, that say The Magician's Companion and this like big blaring like astrology. And I asked him, I was like, so are you into astrology? And he looks at me dead serious and says, I'm Jupiter. Mm. And then all of a sudden my moon Pluto research flashed to my mind such a person is able to extract information skillfully from others like a spy. Such a person should take care to engage earnestly with others. And I found myself in that moment, I had been extracting information from him. I was trying to figure out why he was talking in an accent. I didn't ask, I did ask him where he was from, you know, and he's like, oh, I've been all over the world. I'm not going to try to imitate the Irish accent Hmm. that he was speaking in. Um, So because I had that thing flash to my mind, I said, I dreamt of Jupiter this morning. And he goes, you know, just so. And we ended up having a friendship that built after that. Um, And I soon would find out that he was basically this like magical practitioner, um, that he practically lived in the woods, had a relationship with the trees and the birds and the animals and like lived in a magical reality 100% of the time. Um, After hanging out with him a little bit more, I found out that he was also an ex-CIA agent, so a spy essentially. Um, and we became close at first. I thought it was just going to be a friendship, but then this attraction built and it became this romantic thing. Do you know when he was a CIA, like how long previous to that he was, uh, an agent? How, like how many years it had been since, yeah, since he had left the CIA. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was like a matter of like a couple of years. Okay. So pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. And the strange thing about this is that to this day, when I tell people about this, sometimes I get the question, like, was he really a spy? And it's like, well, I don't know. But at the time, I believed him. Um, And he certainly, you know, was like a ninja. He could climb really tall trees, like, instantly, like, just suddenly be, you Hmm. know, 40 feet in the air. Um, The way, you know, that he could fight or just kind of, like, move in space was it was clear that he had training and he was to be sure, you know, ex-military. I had like evidence of that. 
um, but no evidence of being a spy because I don't think that thing leaves a trail really. Yeah, and it's it's hard to to prove that apart from stories. Yeah. And how old was he? So that's the thing too. He was 41. I was 21. So he was like 20 years older than me. Yeah. Which added another layer of, you know, psychological provocation for me (laughs) to have this like awakening experience. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine. I mean, uh, someone that much your elder has a lot of life before you. So to meet someone and yeah, there's a lot to learn from, from people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, it was, it felt like a taboo thing. Like there were just a lot of like, he, his way of life was different than, you know, what I had grown up around. Like, um, like kind of more like grew up on the land, grew up on a farm, knows how to shoot guns, has killed people because of being in the war. Kind of yeah. thing so it's like i hadn't really ever spent so much time intimately with someone who had like killed people yeah and you know i had a lot of projections about what that would mean about someone yeah yeah i've had that too yeah Somebody what part <laughs> the having a like knowing someone who's in the military like i used to be very like anti anti-war like pro-peace like to the extent where I was like aggressively pro-peace like come on and yeah just uh, conversations with like what's that becoming what you hate essentially yeah essentially yeah I I ended up doing a a MDMA therapy session Mm -hmm. and that helped me see the energies of the planet and I was able to have compassion for like you know family members who are in the military and like that it's actually a good thing but yeah, it's protection. It keeps us safe to create this new earth that we're doing. So like a buffer. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, I mean, to add another layer of it too, because I mean, I did, I had like a, a very big experience, like as this was building, um, I'd grown up watching like crime shows not that I chose to watch them, but my parents watched them. So they were on the TV. So there was like yeah, that like whole unsolved mysteries and yeah, every, to, every crime show yeah. that you can think of. And so I felt really, um, I did a lot of inner work to clear my fear of like all those images that I basically, so it's like, I didn't have war experience but there were always people being murdered <laughs> digitally, like in my field growing up. That's crazy to have that so often in your consciousness. Yeah. Like I have absorbed so many images of like torture. So it was like, I had why, like a... Why do you think humans are attracted to that? Like horror movies are very popular and it's like... Why do I, you don't, think I don't know. It's like in, in our, our, our DNA that's like our like more like primal DNA, like desires it or something. I think there's maybe something around like ancestral war memories or some kind Mm. of trauma thing. I could see that. Yeah. But it really like, you know, it really affected me. And there was a time where I had asked my parents, I was like, please don't watch that anymore when I'm home. Cause I, after I left home for college, um, whenever I walked around at night alone, I just like every figure that I saw, I was like, that person's going to kill me, you know? So I was like, Whoa, like I have to clear this programming So here I am becoming really good friends with this like muscular ex-spy who's like charming and charismatic. And we like go into where, you know, we're hanging out in the woods. We started hanging out alone because my friends, you know, were interested in hanging out, but then they kind of like dropped off. And I was like, well, I still want to hang out with him, you know? So we went to the woods and there was this one moment where he was like, do you want to go down this trail? And it was like this like isolated trail. And that moment, like my whole body kind of like heated up and there was this sense of like, what if he's going to kill me? Like, for sure. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And so. (laughs) Seems like a logical question. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, we had had such a fun time together and I felt this connection between us and there's felt something cosmic. So I was like willing to take the risk Mm. and we went, you know, down the trail together and you know, all was well, but 
um, not too long after that, when I was hanging out with him again with a friend and this other person appeared, the environment literally constellated like it's, it's too in depth to like really put all the threads together. But basically, um, someone, you know, thought, like told me that he had like murdered his family or something. And I was like, what? Like, how could you say that? You know, and they she was murdered like, murdered his or he murdered somebody's? He murdered his own. He murdered his own. <laughs> but she didn't. <laughs> he didn't. But this woman told me that. Why and I was she like, that? there was a, a moment where he had climbed a tree and this, this woman came out and she's like, you're not supposed to be here. Like he had had a history with this person that I didn't even know about. And he just kind of like ran off and. My other friends were there and they went and talked to this woman and she filled, you know, them in on some stuff. And then they, you know, I like ran back down the trail with him and my friends came running after me. They're like, Sabrina, like come back. And I was like, no, this is my friend. Leave us alone, you know? (laughs) And then (laughs) they're like, uh, you know, at that point where we were being confronted, he was like, bye, you know, and he just like ran off. He was like, I'm not going to keep your friends from protecting you. Like I have nothing to hide. But then he like went away and I was like, what was that about? And the friend of a friend was like, I think he killed his family, like telling me all these things about him. And I was just very, uh, you know, unsettled. And it was bizarre because I had already kind of like thought about what if he's going to kill me? And I'm like, no, it's safe. Now yeah, my environment's some, telling me. A character pop out and tell you that is quite intense. Yeah. So I found my way back to my friendship with him again and was like, you know, what was that about? By this time, you know, we ran into each other at a store. And I was like, what a coincidence. And he's like, there are no coincidences. Ask me anything you want to know. So we go outside and I'm like, what happened to your accent? <laughs> His accent was gone. Oh, his accent was gone. His Irish accent. Yeah. Wow. Um, And he's like, you know, I disguise myself in this town. Like, I don't want people to recognize me. There's people who want me dead. Like, all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, this is a complicated. crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Complicated. But here we are, like, this man, I felt the way that he saw me and could verbalize things about me back to me that I always knew and felt so dimly, but had never had anyone recognize or verbalize. I was like bonded. It was like, this person knows me. And I was like, how am I? So like, what's it did something to me. Like it unearthed me um, in some weird way. And then we began to have this like romantic connection and that further kind of catalyzed this intense inner transformation where I started to, you know, in addition to developing this bond with someone who's obviously so complex and has like trauma from war and stuff, and it's just kind of going way off script of what I would have anticipated for my life or what other people would, even though I've always been a writer and always open to adventure, like my life became the adventure. It's like, instead of it being like a fantasy or something on TV or a film, like my life had become cinematic And um, so I started to realize that I had been lying throughout my life, like as a kid in order to not get in trouble or to get my privileges and, you know, just, I would behave and I would say things I didn't mean Hmm. uh, in order to have my life be easier. Yeah. Which Um, a lot of people do, I feel. Yeah. And it became so clear to me that, you know, here was this person who saw me, like no one had ever seen me before. And I was like, my whole life is a lie. And I just had this, you know, things were happening between me and him that were really like uncanny and synchronistic and spiritual and like the spider and, you know, like weird things were happening. And he was teaching me about magic and spycraft. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. You know, what kind of magic was he teaching you? He was teaching me how to like visualize things so that they could come true, um, which is a practice I still do to this day, though it's kind of, I see it as my own now, or like I've kind of run with it in a certain way. 
Um, and he would teach me kind of about like quantum reality and how to like align with particular threads of reality that you want to occur and things like that. Yeah. yeah, that, That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I had this dream of pure white light and birds singing. Oh, and by the way, I would see him on the dream plane where like I would have these like very intense kind of dreams and, you know, tell him about it. But there was a sense that we were psychically connected. Like I could feel him when we weren't together. Like we had, you know, formed this bond. Um, he reminds me then, of this like mystical man who's like emerges <laughs> from a cave, like doesn't actually even exist. But just like he, he does. Yeah, he did kind of emerge from a cave. He seems like a mystical wizard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely shamanic wizardly kind of person military spy yeah yeah (laughs) and yeah i had this this dream of pure white light and birds singing and got this message from the dream that i should speak all the time without filter Mm. so i did as the dream said yeah one thing i did was i (laughs) performed an interruptive art piece in class like i interrupted the class and did this whole thing and shared all this you know i had like printed out books of my poetry and shared it with everyone and people were like asking me for my autograph and they were like really impressed and it was like this very grand thing that had happened was the interruptive uh was that a part of the school you went to like at any point you could do a an art piece no or it was just like... I interrupted just... class without telling anyone. I got up in front of the class and was like, I understand that this is an interruption, but this is a message that only comes via interruption. You see, I am the trickster of love. Do you see what has happened to this room? It has become quieter. The colors brighter. Our impulses and reflexes have quickened. And like love comes to you, I come to you out of the blue. So... Wow. And then, yeah. It, it seems like matrix shattering almost. A little bit like veil lifting moment yeah actually i mean the thing ends with me saying do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill oh that's great it was like literally about the matrix (laughs) that's really cool so it was a big you know moment and you know all of this too it's like i wasn't necessarily i've always had a bold side of me but at that time in life i was still also very shy and so it was like very you know, like not necessarily in my normal character um, to do something like that. And I also, you know, told my family all this stuff that I really shouldn't have said. Like if I had just kept my mouth shut, nothing, nothing would have happened, you know? And nothing changes in the world. Yeah. What did you tell your family? I was like, everything you know about me is a lie. Like my whole personality is constructed based off of a system of, you know, like incentives and rewards or like avoiding punishment. And it's like, I wasn't being like hit or anything like that. It was just like, you know, you could get your video games taken away or something or like whatever. It reminds so it me just... of like walk-ins where someone has like a walk-in where like another soul comes into that person's body and they're like, okay, so I just have to let you know that. I'm no longer the previous person you thought I was, but I'm this new person. Yeah. So how did they take it? They were like, you don't seem like yourself. Like something seems wrong. And I'm like, I'm happier than I've ever been. Like, how could you say this to me? (laughs) My mom like wanted me to go to the doctor and see if my thyroid was okay because I had so much energy. And I was like, no, like I'm, why would I go to the doctor? Like (laughs) you're... all your chakras are probably wide open and you're having this like crazy awakening experience. So it's, um, yeah, that can be a bit, uh, reality shattering. And if people aren't ready for that kind of thing, it's a bit much. Totally. I had no intellectual frameworks to understand what was happening, like very minimally, you know? Wow. Good for you for just going for it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm glad I did, you know, but (laughs) at the time, you know, it essentially turned into, um, you know, I wasn't making my own money. I wasn't financially independent. My parents were supporting me through college. And there I was like knocking on their door being like, hey, all these things about reality you should pay attention to, like pharmaceuticals are corrupt. And I've never been depressed. I just didn't know who I am. Like, you know, I was just like really kind of lit up and unhinged. And 
they kind of, they had me come home for my dad's birthday. And then, you know, they invited me and I wanted to go. And once I was there, they were like, we want you to see a psychiatrist. We're, we're withdrawing our support for you to like go to college and like live in Olympia. Uh, we need you to see a psychiatrist. Hmm. And Basically, you have no choice. This is <laughs> and yeah. how old were you at this point? You said like 21? 21. Mm-hmm. So technically I had the freedom to not, but it would have meant like trying to make it in the world with nothing. Yeah. 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 While thinking you're a one with consciousness and. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like way too open and vulnerable. Like, honestly, like, and I, I could feel that I was like, I need shelter, you Mm -hmm. know? And so did you end up, uh, so yeah. So what then transpired? So I went to see the psychiatrist and I was bombastically confident that he would see how happy and full of life I was and all would be well. And shortly into the conversation with him, I realized that that was not the case. And I had been seeing spiders this whole time, like so many spiders. They were a big motif. And all of a sudden I felt caught in this giant spider's web um, because I realized that everything that was coming out of my mouth sounded insane to this person, that he didn't share my cosmological perspective on reality, and that I was actually just caught in this other web of like the psychiatric model. And he's like, how fast are your thoughts going? And as soon as he asked me that, my heart started like palpitating. And I just like I was in, like I was done, you know. He calls my parents back in and he says, you know, she's bipolar. She's having a manic episode. She's bipolar mm. one, like the more serious kind. Like she, mm. you know, bipolar with psychotic tendencies. Ooh. Yeah. So labeled. Now now you officially have a <laughs> <laughs> I have figured it out. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. And I tried to argue for myself, you know, saying, I don't think I have an illness. Like one, I did go off my antidepressants, cold turkey. Mm. I fell in love with an ex-CIA agent. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been having these mystical experiences. And they're like, well, he wasn't really a spy. You're delusional. And like... it's too, it was risky behavior. Like it's dangerous. You can't just hang out. Like even if he was a spy, like only someone who's bipolar would think to do that. I was like, I'm not just a 21 year old having like an epic initiation adventure. It's love. (laughs) Yeah. And so I started to realize, you know, there were, there were times, like it was a a several week process where I tried to argue my case Mm. and For the first time in my life, like everything that I was saying was systematically invalid. Um, Like I'd never experienced something like this before where it's like, no matter what I said, it was like, oh, Sabrina, like Mm. you need to take your pills, you know? That sounds very frustrating. Yeah. And to have a, a voice of authority who, what they say counts more than yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, if you were, ooh, I'm just adjusting the lights. I know. Yeah, I, which, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it's 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 interesting, and I I want to hear the rest of the story in terms of like how it goes. But like, if you were in a position where you were, let's say, like making money, and you know, you were self sustaining, and yeah, you know, you're just doing life pretty well, but you had all these awesome, crazy thoughts. Like people would be like, all right, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, you know, the, the immensity of my errors were, you know, like that original thing that I read on the internet, you could make a disastrous error in judgment, take on more than you're capable of, you know, like, during my awakening, I I was having these realizations of like my family's ancestral karma. And that's some of the stuff that I was telling them, 
before they were like, you need to see a psychiatrist. I was like, don't you see? And I was like telling them the patterns of our family. And I was like, we could be free, you know, and just like. Wow. And your family, were they uh, like open-minded? Were they spiritual? Were they like religious? What was their kind of mentality? Scientific. Oh, okay. Scientific. Atheist. Atheist. Okay. Agnostic, but not, you know, leaning towards any spiritual thing. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, as I was in this situation, um, I, I tried to argue my way out and then it started to, um, dawn on me that it would just be better to lie. And that was the whole thing that I had come out with telling them. I was like, everything you know about me is a lie. And they were like, no, that's not true. Like you have bipolar, take these medications now. And so I was like, okay, well, isn't this exactly what I was telling you as the thing? Because now I'm just going to lie in order to fit in and survive and get my privileges, like and make my was, way. How, what was your mind? Like making, going from the decision of lying to potentially get out of this like a little like a mental like a prison of sorts where like you are yeah. stuck there because they think something's wrong with you what was going on in your mind to think like okay were you like game planning really like, all right if i lie about this and that and that like and did you feel sane in the moment i did feel sane i felt um the first few weeks i still felt full of life and i would go out to LA because it was close to LA and I would like go to like art events and I would still get this really intense feedback from my environment of people being like I want to paint you and just like I'd make friends with people and I was like charming people and I was still being reflected as like hyper magical and then at home as like Hmm. mentally ill right yeah And then, you know, I was still talking to the spy. He was like across the country at that point. And he felt kind of like a lifeline, like talking with him, like I was still in love and it felt like soothing and important to have like him on my team. And I started to get increasingly despondent as time went on and things were getting worse. And what really started to make things bad was that I got on medications And I got on medications because they have you titrate up the dose. And if you have the full dose right away, you could have like a a life-threatening rash and be hospitalized on these particular medications. And I was afraid of being asked to take the medication in front of them and have to take the full dose out of nowhere. So I just decided, I was like, this is the path laid out before me. You know, I looked up, can I vomit these medications if they ask me, you know, and they actually absorb in your system right away. I think they're kind of designed so that people can't, Mm. you know, like if you're being forced to take these kind of things. So I made the choice to go the full route and like take these medications, even though I didn't want to. And the side effects started to siphon my life force. Like I started to feel extremely tired and also extremely preoccupied with the thought of killing myself. And then I couldn't fall asleep at night. And I started to discover that in order to go to sleep, I had to imagine murdering other people. Then I would feel better (laughs) and be able to sleep. This is like back to the TV shows of just murdering after Murray. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of a crazy uh, side effect. Yeah. Was that a known side effect that you have like suicidal and homicidal thoughts? Yep. But I didn't tell them because that would mean titrating off the medications and taking a new cocktail of drugs that would have another set of side effects. They literally told me it's like they all have side effects. That's an intense side effect. Yeah. Like... Oh, by the way, like you take this, you'll feel better. But like, you may want to just like kill everyone and kill yourself. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. No, it was like awful. Yeah. And, a, and tons of people are taking these. I mean, that just kind of it almost feels like a bunch of people are, are in a, like a trance. Yeah. 
So did you, so you continue taking them? I did and continued to become more miserable and less full of life and less able to, you know, find joy. And I was, I called up the spy and I was like, I need you to rescue me. Like, please buy me a plane flight. Like I'm, I'll leave. And he was like, you know, no, don't kill yourself. Like get a job, work for your freedom, save every penny. Um, And then I begged him again, like, Mm -hmm. please. And then he just ghosted And so at that point, I went into a deep spiral. Um, Is the lighting okay? Like, I can't, if I make it brighter. Okay. Because now we're getting into the spooky part of the story. Well, it's perfect because it's got that, like, dark mystique, you know, your hair. You can still, your hair, like, (laughs) people who are just listening are going to be like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. It looks looks cool. Okay. Like Adam's Family kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. It fits the vibe. Fits the vibe. It's October, almost Halloween. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I was really um, went into a spiral after that of just being really depressed. And this thing occurred, I think this was actually in terms of what I've learned about myself astrologically, probably the exact circumstance I needed to grow. But I was so miserable. Like I just wanted to cry. I didn't want to get up out of bed. I didn't want to make myself food. But I also wanted to get out and I was told that I could basically, they weren't promising that I would ever get to leave. They were acting like it was unknown if I'd ever be functional again, which was extremely like not helpful, Yeah, you know, to be regarded in that way. Mentally, that's pretty uh, degrading. Yeah, it was. And they, you know, I'd talk to my psychiatrist and be like, my experience is depressing. Like I've, I've lost my, my friend group, you know, my environment, like my college life. I'm bored. I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. And he's like, well, that's the problem. Like if you're depressed, you're not balanced. And so everyone, like all the authority figures were basically telling me you have to appear balanced to be set free. So in the midst of being chemically barraged and miserable, I had to like put a smile on and act like, I was okay. Dang. So I basically went into like deep cover where I was like, I'm a spy and I'm like going to get out of here. I will say everything I need to say. I will not mince or like, I will not add extra words. I will not say anything to undo myself. I will just perform perfectly and get out. Oh, interesting. Um, and so essentially that's what I did. Um, and I was. And how did it? Um, did people start to agree and like, okay, yeah, you're. It seems like you're doing better. Like, could you start to feel that that change? Um, I wasn't doing better. I was still miserable, mm-hmm. and I just said the right things. So I just lied through my teeth, and. Then they were like, wow, you, you recovered so quickly. We're proud of you. You know, and I would say things like, you know, I recognize I'm bipolar. I, I'm committed to taking these medications for the rest of my life. I never want to become manic again. Even though internally I didn't believe that I was bipolar, still don't, you know, never accepted the diagnosis, didn't believe the narrative that I would just randomly, you know, freak out at any given moment. Like I knew that I'd had a very activating experience and a spiritual awakening and that I had acted, you know, unhinged, but that with further um, education and training and like learning how to manage my own energy that I would become like, that I would live into something wonderful, that I actually had some like talent or some message or some wisdom to offer the planet, Mm. but that this was like some you know, weird initiation. And even though I also knew that, I was also really scared that I might not ever make it out, that I might not ever recover, that what if, you know, I'm like marginalized forever in this life, like not treated like I have something of value to say, like what if I can't find a job or make a job for myself? Like all those kind of anxieties were really intense. Yeah, all the words that people are trying to tell you, I, I can see that being a loud voice. Yeah. And um, I did go back to my college town. I titrated off the medications. It took 
three years. Wow. Or maybe not three years to titrate off them. I titrated off them in a couple months. It took several years to tell my mom, my dad had passed mm. at that point, um, that I was not on the medications anymore. And it happened, you know, basically she was like, you know, your dad and I have been worried about you. You seem kind of like, um, you seem kind of like blank, like really mellow, like you don't have very many emotions. And we're wondering if you need to change the dosage of your medications. And I just kind of like blew up. (laughs) And I was like, I haven't been on medications. I just don't show you my emotions because I don't want you to think I'm crazy again. Wow. So this whole thing, you know, with my family has been healed. They don't, my mom doesn't think I'm bipolar. Um, it's not like an issue, you know, but for a couple years, I was like just maintaining the act so that I wouldn't. And and so have you told them, I'm sure you've told them that you were essentially faking it so you could get out, like faking normal. Yeah. And what did they, what did they say when you first told them that? Uh. It was really upsetting that news because um, part of the way that I had faked my way out was like telling, you know, offering my most sincere gratitude of like, thank you. I feel like you saved my life. I do have a problem. Thank you so much for seeing that and helping me like get on track. But I'm sure after like, I see it because they're like, you, you weren't actually like, you know, kind of see that you were escaping from something. I mean, did they feel bad about I guess they were just doing what parents do. They just want the best. Yeah. It's all, you know, I feel bad for some of the things that I did in that scenario because I don't know what choice I really gave them. Like they had a paradigm about what Mm -hmm. they believed in. And I just like burst in there and was like, no, this is what reality is. And, (laughs) you know, like I wasn't, I thought that I was liberating them or that I was doing it out of love, but the more that I studied astrology in the aftermath and got really deep into psychological astrology, I realized that I had some kind of need to be believed. I wanted to change my family members so that I could feel better. Like I was, you know, playing out all these kind of psychological complexes and in a way that was like too intense for my reality to hold without imprisoning me. Like, I see how I put myself in that situation. And my mom, you know, reflected back some years after, like, you know, if I knew what I know about you now, maybe I would have sent you to a shaman or something, but like (laughs) you were acting strange and I sent you to a psychiatrist. Like I just did what I had, you know? So it's like, I don't really hold blame for my family. I see what position I put them in. And what it really showed me too was the system of mental health in America. Like Mm. that when people are having these awakening experiences, some psychiatrists might have a spiritual perspective and others don't at all. And if you find a psychiatrist that doesn't, you know, like the psychiatric model and the DSM, like the way that it diagnoses what people are going through is pretty narrow and there's not, You know, like there's been experiences with like Stanislav Grof, like in his research with people in holotropic states, whether that is induced with like um, psychedelics or people that are having a spontaneous holotropic state, like what I was having, because I was definitely, it was like I was on psychedelics for a month Mm. without having taken anything. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, anyone who's taken a psychedelic, I think can recognize that the psychedelic consciousness is a different consciousness than regular human consciousness. And it's uh, significantly different. And that that sort of change in consciousness does exist. And like, I don't know if I could personally be on a high dose of mushrooms 24 seven and still, you know, work in this society yeah no I was I was unhinged and I was also suddenly psychic overnight and I was telling people the things that I saw like oh wow I just wasn't you know consent yeah yeah there was no consent I was actually being quite aggressive yeah yeah I could see that that I mean my experience was was uh similar but different in that I went the opposite way I just didn't say anything I had my awakening and I didn't really tell anyone for about seven years 
because I didn't want to be perceived as crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have that that healthy level of fear. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think it's good to speak out. I think there's an in-between where it's like knowing the right time, but not being scared of it to like not say anything because I think it is important. And it sounds like you awakened to an amazing life. And I do want to hear more about the astrology, especially what's going on right now in astrology. Because I know you have your your weekly astrology updates, yeah. uh, which is really cool. And I will include all the information for people to contact you and get a hold of you and connect with you in the show notes because they should. And you are one of the most exquisite astrologers that I've witnessed. Thank you. Um yeah, I, I started studying evolutionary astrology when I was stuck at my parents' house. Um, I reached out to an evolutionary astrologer to be like, what is happening? And the reading I got from him gave me hope um, because, you know, I could basically, I told him the whole story, everything that happened with the spy, how my family now thinks I'm mentally ill and I'm faking my way out. And five months later, I'm still stuck here. You know, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a good life. Please help. And he had really amazing wisdom to share with me. And then I started to study that form of astrology. And I eventually, when I returned to Olympia, I got to study with him. He had a class and it's an astrology that it's about your past lives and your karma and what you bring into this life. And um, I definitely, yeah, I um. For me, I think, so just as a detail, it's like I have South Node in Cancer, North Node in Capricorn. One of the South Node in Cancer behaviors is like having no boundaries, like not having not having very good boundaries and definitely not good boundaries with your emotions. So getting so emotional that other people have to be responsible or like so whimsical that like other people pay your bills and you're mm. 21 and yeah. <laughs> then you have, you know, and the more intensely emotional you are that you're not functional, it's like the Capricorn constellates the opposite and Capricorn relates to judgment and restriction. It can be oppression. It can be um, prison. Like it, it's the things that give structure. And so because I was so deeply unstructured and just kind of spilling out and wasn't censoring my words how could society contain that? Like, unless they wanted to go into ceremony with me, but they weren't prepared to, it's just like, well, she has a mental illness. Let's put her in a box and clean this up so that we can go on our lives, you know, go on with our lives as normal and not be disturbed anymore by this. Yeah. Most people are, are, are in the, the game of life. They're so in it that they don't stop to realize that they're inside of something they woke up in, in a yeah. animal body. It's like, oh yeah, by the way. Yeah. Or in an animal body right now and you woke up on this planet floating in space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't remember being born. We just kind of become conscious at some point. I'm just like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to act like this is normal. <laughs> yeah. No question. Anyone acts like this is not normal. You are going to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, nice if you start to. <laughs> with the internet now, it's really cool because I feel like people can, for example, you have a podcast and someone who may be feeling lost can listen to your podcast and be like, oh, wow. Like, okay, I get it. You know, I'm sure you, you have people reach out to me. I have people reach out to me about that kind of stuff. Like, thanks for saying what you say online because it's really helping me in this moment. Yeah, I and get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so working with astrology helped me. Like, I learned basically how to integrate more structure and more responsibility into my life to build a kind of life that I did want. So structure became my friend, but it was like in service to my values and not just into fitting in and like Mm. living a normal life. How healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Astrology has helped me a lot. Um, the current astrology, I think like one of the biggest characterizing factors of 2020 is the alignment of Saturn and Pluto. They are conjunct. Um, they formed an exact conjunction on January 12th and these two planets put together you know, it's heavyweight. Pluto is a planet of transformation and um, ultimate kind of like 
chthonic, like underworldly power. It's like the raw primordial forces of nature. It's the urges, um, it's compulsions, it's desire, it's intensity. Um, it's the death and rebirth cycle. And so Pluto is just persistent. It has this, it is the way that, you know, things are born and things die. Mm. And then Saturn also has a connection to, you know, its finitude and mortality and its structure and its gravity and its responsibility and its um, sobering and it's contracting. And Saturn is something, you know, like if you're building a house, it's a very specific structure and the structure allows for a particular experience. So Saturn and structure can be great, but it's also, um, you know, systemic issues that it's like society has been doing a certain thing for centuries and there's consequences of that. And we live into the, the karma that we've inherited from history, like Saturn relates to that too. And so when Saturn and Pluto come together, there's this intense psychological contraction in the field. And the pandemic has been, you know, an example of that, of just like a massive event of nature that has caused massive contraction and breakdown in society. Um, And it's also like a, um, you know, it's a psychologically challenging time and it can, for a lot of people, I mean, Saturn-Pluto, like I had my kind of Saturn-Pluto experience with that, um, like I was having a Saturn-Pluto transit personally, like Saturn was conjunct my Pluto when that thing happened. And I literally didn't know if I was going to escape. I was contemplating killing myself. And I was like, it was really something I was considering. It wasn't just a side effect. It was like, if my life doesn't get better, I don't know if I can be here. Wow. It's like an awakening time. Yeah. And then my life did get better. And now I know that I can go into the underworld and come back out. But that was an initiation. With initiations, you don't know if you're going to make it out or not. So the Saturn-Pluto energy has that kind of like intensity for the collective of, you know, and not everyone's having a terrible time. Some people are thriving and some people are having an immensely contracted, difficult Mm. uh, time full of hardships. Um, The collective certainly like, there's a lot of theme of hardship at play. So yeah. I remember it r- arriving this- around mid-March when like all of a sudden things started to get a little weird and like lock- locking down and it was like, okay, th- things are going to get like off I- pretty soon, you know? And yeah. I remember making a commit with myself to be like, okay, but I like, I see that that's a potential, but I'm going to make this the most prosperous time and just the best time in my life. There you go. It, it has been. <laughs> but I was like very conscious to do that, to make that happen. But I see yeah. that so many people are, are in that. Yeah. Fear. Yeah, and it, it's... Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, like, when it comes to, like, being positive, how, like, sometimes life, the external world gives you more cushion or like more support or it's like cool good things are happening but then when like things are breaking down that's when it becomes a lot more of your internal process of like finding fulfillment whatever's happening um and I feel like that's part of the spiritual awakening experience is like not identifying with your circumstances or your body primarily like you're you're in the body you're in your circumstances and you have a a duty perhaps to like move through life um, in this avatar, but it isn't who you are ultimately. Yeah. And being able to identify with that higher self affords a lot of liberation in how we participate in the game of life. Yeah. You know, it's a trippy thought. And I think it's why a lot of people don't want to think about it. Like yeah. some, like that, that higher perspective is uh, it can be perceived as frightening to people. Yeah. Especially if your life is just kind of going on as normal and everything's like working. I think it's like when things break down that people are a little bit more receptive. Yeah. Yeah. And having these sorts of spiritual experiences, like I'm sure you enjoy having deep conversations and like talking about the nature of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it becomes an obsession. It's like, oh, that's it. It's just like, you know, that's what I love. I absolutely love talking about 
the, the, the shift in consciousness that's taking place at this time. Yeah. I love that you're doing that and collecting conversations around it. Yeah. I, it was activated by the lockdown, by the pandemic. It was like, okay, now it's time. And, and it's, I feel like it's really important, you know, and, and here we are in this moment. Um, I'm, I'm curious, does evolutionary astrology, is it looking into the present only in the past or can you also go into the future? You can go like anywhere in time. And so in the natal chart, there's like the way that I have been trained to read and also teach my students to read charts um, is that you can find a person's like karmic background. And it's something, you know, it's an art, like by learning the symbols, you can even kind of open your psychic vision, like I'll get images and get senses, you know. Um, so it's like getting a sense of a person's archetypal or thematic past. And then there's also a signature, the North node and the planetary ruler of the North node which is jargon, but you know, these things will represent where a person's headed in most cases, there's certain complications and technical things that can, uh, make it a little bit more complicated, but, um, they're usually, you know, when I see a chart, there's a story to it of like where a person's coming from. And, you know, we come into this life with karma and with baggage and with things that we've been really interested in, things that we've been obsessed with and have, you know, cared enough about to repeat over and over again. We've gained some talent and some affinity, but also some psychological compulsion or patterns that are really heavy and then things happen in this life that gently or aggressively encourage us to break those patterns and Hmm. transcend our own limitations wow yeah it's like the karmic cycle we're all here experiencing this um i so i i want to keep the conversation going but i also want uh, you to share how people can connect with you and what you offer kind of, sure. uh, because yeah, you've got some, you've got some great stuff and you kind of gave me a reading a bit on, on your podcast, uh, which was insightful. Um, so yeah, how can people connect? Yeah. So I have a podcast magic of the spheres. I write weekly astrology forecasts at monarchastrology.com that I also share to YouTube. My channel is Sabrina Monarch. I'm on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch, on Twitter at Sabrina underscore Monarch. And um, I think one of the best ways to connect with me, like I really encourage people to take my evolutionary astrology intensive. And that's like a whole course where I like offer the foundations and the the way to practice this form of astrology. Um, and the next one's in January. Um, and I also do readings. My books are currently closed for one-off readings, but I do coaching and mentorship, um, meeting with people for six months or a year as well. Um, oh, so cool. people can contact me at Sabrina at monarchastrology.com if they want to ask me about that. Amazing. Do you ever look into, like, have you, have you looked at 2021 to see how it's going? You know, like, Briefly, like I know some of the major transits I've been because my writing practice with astrology is weekly updates. I stay very close to the the ground of like the current moment. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to look farther out. It's actually just a matter of paving out time in my schedule to like look into the future because I have time <laughs> every week <laughs> to look at the next week, you know? Yeah, I guess but. now is most relevant for all of us. Yeah. That it it gave of 2020 seems quite spot on. It was a moment of awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate having you on. This was really fun. Thank you for the space to talk about this experience. Yeah. I I would love to uh, maybe do, do some more, like even if you could share a reading for, my audience or something like that. I feel like uh, you've got a gift and, you know, let's share it with the world. Yeah. I would love to come back. And I'm glad you're not crazy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Your story's phenomenal. And it's in a book, right? 
Yeah, I wrote a novel based off of it. Um, it's like a fictionalized account. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wrote, wrote about it because it, so, it was cinematic. Yeah, I mean, it could be a mini series. It could be a whole TV show. <laughs> I hope it gets turned into that. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. It would be very fascinating. Yeah, and you're living a, a mystical, fun life. And just, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you're here and you're spreading your gifts and turning on lights for people. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your magical channel as well and holding the vibration of elevation and like choosing, choosing an elevated life. That's why we're here. Thank you. This is what I love to do and what I love to chat about. And thank you guys for tuning into this episode and stay tuned for more episodes of Deep Shift.